Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr, and this is the Endocrine News Podcast. According to the National Institutes of Health, more than two in five adults have obesity in the United States, and nearly one in three are overweight. To equip healthcare practitioners with the resources they need to treat patients with obesity, the Endocrine Society recently held its inaugural Obesity Fellows Program, an exclusive application-based educational activity for current fellows. The program covered a wealth of information, and if you weren't able to attend, we have you covered. We'll talk about the program in today's episode, and a free series of on-demand lectures is now available online, and those are accredited. There's a link to those in today's episode description. I'd like to thank Lily USA LLC and Novo Nordisk for making both the Obesity Fellows program and this podcast episode possible through an unrestricted educational grant. Thank you. Joining me today to share some of the important issues addressed at the Obesity Fellows program is the program chair, Dr. Amy Rothberg. Dr. Rothberg is Clinical Professor of Internal Medicine in the Division of Metabolism, Endocrinology, and Diabetes, Research Professor of Nutritional Sciences, and also Director of the MEND Weight Management Clinic there. Furthermore, she is Director of Rewind, a virtual weight management and diabetes treatment program. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Rothberg. My pleasure, Aaron. So can you tell us a bit about the Endocrine Society's inaugural Obesity Fellows Program? What's this exciting new program all about? And why was now the right time to launch it? This is a program focused on our endocrine trainees who have expressed not only enthusiasm about learning more about obesity, but endorsed a commitment to a career focusing on obesity medicine, science, and research. I feel privileged to chair this event and thrilled that this program brings together a diverse group of fellows from across the U.S. and Puerto Rico and an equally diverse nationally and internationally renowned group of physician scientists who will talk about the history and scope of obesity, discuss the pathogenesis of obesity, and of course, the management options for those individuals living with obesity. You ask why now? Well, it's important because we have, as you said, high prevalence of people living with obesity or overweight, and those trends continue to escalate. We also know that we have a whole new armamentarium of treatment options for those individuals who are affected by obesity. And that includes a number of new medications to market and emerging medications to market. But we also continue to improve on our surgery methods and have a number of effective lifestyle interventions. Another reason why we're launching this program is there is a gap in the education of fellows during their training in obesity medicine. When we think about the current state of obesity management, what would you say are some of the more notable challenges? So while obesity has been declared a disease, there's still a lot of misunderstanding or misconceptions about the disease of obesity, including a lot of people who consider it a lifestyle choice. Individuals who are affected by obesity continue to face a lot of stigma, including from healthcare professionals. 
Indeed, it's not dissimilar to what individuals experience, for example, during the HIV AIDS epidemic. Conversely, there are some who feel we should accept that obesity is simply a larger body size and that discussing weight is shaming. This idea is actually problematic because it neglects the evidence that excess adiposity does pose a risk to health. There are other more notable challenges that are concerning. We live in what I would consider a toxic environment that is counterproductive to health, where there is an abundance of nutrient-poor and calorie-dense foods, and also not areas that are safe for people to recreate. I think that we're going to have to do more in terms of policy and initiatives that need to fundamentally change how we all live, but more importantly for those who are most vulnerable including lifting people out of poverty, giving them a living wage, allowing women, for example, to have the adequate time off to care for their newborn, and providing adequate affordable housing, safe drinking water, and just addressing some of these societal issues. So it's a super complex issue that probably is going to require some complex approaches. One thing that was talked about at the Obesity Fellows Program was the importance of having an excellent team. Who comprises an effective obesity care team and how do they best work together? Well, like any specialty in medicine or surgery, the team should be multidisciplinary and comprise bariatric physicians and surgeons weight management dietitians, social workers or psychologists, exercise physiologists, but also providers from other disciplines, including endocrinology, sleep medicine, gastroenterology, and cardiology. Of course, we also need support from our nurses, pharmacy techs, clerical staff, but often we should be co-located if at all possible, and there has to be thoughtful and systematic communication, often following well-designed, well-articulated protocols among all the trained professionals, which includes fundamentally ensuring that the patient is scheduled appropriately and has regular follow-up. That is providing adequate access to care and care delivery or removing the barriers to care, and then coordinating all aspects of treatment knowing that treatment should always be ongoing. And that again, all the instructions that we give to the patient are well articulated and involve the patient. But the management plan again needs to be well-defined and ongoing. You know, one thing that we see a lot in the news right now is the anti-obesity medications. And there's a, a lot of coverage of those. There's even some confusion about those, even about access to those. So a lot of people are thinking about it. Where are we now with anti-obesity medications and where do we still need to go? We have a number of highly effective medications that have been shown to not only reduce weight, but also improve metabolic control in those with diabetes and also reduce cardiovascular risk. For many, these drugs have been life-transforming, allowing patients to take back their health. The problem is, is that many of the newer drugs, the GLP-1-based therapies, are expensive with variable coverage among health plans and Medicaid programs, and unfortunately, they are not covered under Medicare. Also, there have been some manufacturing and distribution problems making these drugs episodically unavailable. The issue of coverage is also, unfortunately, contributing to worsening health inequities. 
Again, many view obesity as a lifestyle choice, and hence these drugs sort of receive a status of being elective therapy. But obesity, as we know, opposes the significant risk of mortality, and we should be prescribing the most effective treatment for that particular individual, which may include an anti-obesity medication. Look, we don't look at chemotherapy for someone with cancer as merely elective treatment, and nor should we look at anti-obesity medication as elective treatment. What about surgical or procedural interventions for obesity? How have some of those approaches evolved in recent years? Surgery has become so refined that the operative risks are similar or even less than having a gallbladder removed. Most operations are performed laparoscopically and patients are usually home by the very next day. We see early improvements in glycemic control, blood pressure, and for some, even alterations in mood and appetite and taste. We now have also a whole subspecialty among our GI colleagues who can perform endoscopic procedures that reduce the stomach size, either by introducing a space-occupying device such as a balloon or suturing the stomach to mimic sleeve gastrectomy. So we've covered a lot of interesting topics so far. There's obviously, we're just scratching the surface as to what was actually covered at the Obesity Fellows Program. And we're looking at the now, but what about the future? When you think of the next five to 10 years, what are some advances in obesity care that you hope to see? Well, I hope that we see more endocrinologists and others practicing the specialty of obesity medicine. I think we'll have more drugs to market that will help us feel fuller faster, changing how we feel about food, what kind of food we eat, et cetera. And I think healthcare uh, practitioners will also recognize that obesity is a chronic disease that requires regular intervention and follow-up. It's not just one and done. But again, <laughs> the bigger changes need to involve our local and federal government for making reforms to how we market our food, what we grow, providing access to quality food, access to health care for everyone, lifting people out of poverty, providing safe drinking water, and again, safe places to recreate. If we are going to make a difference in people's health, we need to address those societal public health challenges. We have a series of on-demand lectures now available for those who weren't able to attend the program. Can you help people understand what they might expect to experience if they were to listen to these lectures? I think for people listening to the on-demand program, they'll walk away with an understanding of the scope, epidemiology, cost, economics related to obesity, the pathogenesis of obesity, and more importantly, how to manage an individual living with obesity, including lifestyle therapy, the pharmacotherapy past and present, and uh, the surgical options that are available for people with obesity. I think that is a great place for us to wrap it up. And we're just about out of time. So I want to thank you, Dr. Rothberg, for taking the time today to come and talk with us about the Obesity Fellows Program and some of the great things that were shared there. Thank you. That's all for this episode, but don't go yet. If you'd like to hear more about the Obesity Fellows Program and take in the six on-demand didactic sessions, you can do so by going to the link provided in the episode description. Each session has a short pre- and post-test to measure performance, and altogether they are accredited for up to three ABIM MOC points and three AMA PRA Category 1 credits. 
these sessions are fantastic, and I hope you enjoy them. Until next time, thanks for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.